close your eyes and pull like down. <laughs> and a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam McGuire Cup to Graham Canty, Cork All-Ireland Champions for the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to the Star of Sport podcast. My name is Jack McCarran of the Southern Star and I'm joined as always by Star Sport editor Kieran McCarty. On today's podcast we're chatting to Cork GAA chairperson Tracy Kennedy about the fixture schedule for the upcoming county championships, the return of the GAA generally and how the county board plan to allow fans to attend games. We'll also hear from local sports reporter and Liverpool fan Donal O'Sullivan about the Reds' sensational title win last weekend. The pool are back on their perch and Donal chats to us about what it means for him and all Liverpool fans. And Kieran, we're going to start with the return of the GAA and in particular the Cork Senior Football Championship. And the weekend of July 25 and 26 is gearing up to be a belter in West Cork. Yeah, um, the the Cork County Board released their fixture schedule earlier this week, and it's their I suppose their master plan for the next couple of months. What the football and hurling calendars are going to look like, and it's it's action packed. Um, over the last week or so, Jack, I suppose we've had the the Cork Ladies Football have had their their championship draws, and they put forward their dates. We've had the the Camogie, um, the Cork Camogie Board have made their championship draws, and now we have the, the fixture schedule for, for the hurling and football and it's action-packed. And one of the, the big things is that the Cork County Board have decided to stick with the, the group stage format that was agreed by clubs in 2019. And that was a bone of, a bone of contention over the last couple of weeks. People were saying, will they, will they go revert back to knockout with a, a backdoor? But the county board stuck to their guns and they've gone with the group stage format. And what that does, it gives every club three games. And what I like about this too is that there's a there's a calendar of events there, so clubs know what weekends they're playing over the over the next couple of months, and that's great for for teams to plan. You know, there's a there's a week off in the middle of it where they can give players a break if they want to get away for a weekend and so on. Um, it's going to go football hurling, football hurling. Um, it's probably not perfect. You know, it's never going to be perfect either, Jack, because in a county like Cork with so many dual clubs and so many clubs full stop, so many championships. Um, we're never going to come up with a, a one-size-fits-all solution. But I think it's, it's a good plan. And that first weekend in the new Premier Senior Football Championship, we have the West Cork Group of Date, that Group B1, and you'll have Carby Rangers against Castlehaven and Houston against Island Rovers. So from a West Cork perspective, what a huge two derbies to kick off the GA season with. And we've heard a lot of talk in other counties around the country about about even the club versus county debate in Cork. Have we heard anything of that nature? Do we know are there clubs complaining that some of their players are already training with their county team? There's rumours swirling around the country. Have they hit Cork and West Cork specifically? There's there's a lot of rumours. There is a lot of rumours that that the county teams are back training. I think everyone is kind of slow to name those county teams, especially when the GA comes out, the GA hierarchy and says there's no sanctions for these teams, but kind of out them and name and shame them. And based from the GA point of view, that's not good enough. Kind of there's there should be distinct, especially this year, there should be a distinction between the club season and the inter county season. 
inter-county teams should not impinge on the club season. It's that simple, full stop. But it is happening. We're hearing kind of anecdotal stories all, all around the country, and it's not good enough. Um, I wrote in the Star last week um, on the, the last board column that this is bonus territory we're in this year, Jack. If you go back a couple of weeks, there was not meant to be a GA season, yet, yet here we have one. The clubs should be allowed their season, and those clubs should be allowed to have their county players train with them and um, for for the next couple of weeks until that club season finishes, or or sorry, until the intercounty training starts back up in September. But that doesn't seem to be the case, and um, they should be named and shamed. They should be outed because it would more importantly they should be sanctioned by the GA itself. The GA needs to come down hard on this because if you're setting out that there's a club season and an intercounty season, and if you're telling counties you're not allowed to train until September 14th or 15th and if counties are training before that they're breaking rules that the GA have themselves set out so there needs to be some sort of sanction so um, like when it comes to the county board they've put out their, their programme of events and it runs right up until October um, I think the first weekend of October and then they have a spare weekend the weekend after just in case there's dual clubs get the county finals and then we have the suppose the Cork footballers out against Loud in the National Football League just a weekend after that. So there's a short window there for Rowan McCarthy to prepare his um prepare his Cork team for. But the reality is once you get to the business end of the county championships, there's only a couple of clubs there. And by then a lot of the county players, their clubs won't be involved in the business end of the championships. So you will have they'll have a nice nice run in to prepare for the for the intercounty season. But it's it's a bone of contention for me at the moment, Jack, that um that there is that kind of floating of the rules. Um so we just have to see how it plays out over over the next couple of weeks. Okay then Kieran, good stuff. Well let's throw now to the chat you had a little earlier on with Cork County Chairperson, and that's Tracy Kennedy. We're delighted to be joined on the Star Sport podcast this week by Cork County Board Chairperson Tracy Kennedy. Um, before we talk about the championship structures, Tracy, that were announced this week, on a personal level, the G is coming back. What are your own thoughts on it? Yeah, it's fantastic, Karen. I suppose we all had worries over the last while that there would be no GA action this year. I certainly would have thought it myself if I had to put a bet on it there in early May. I'd have said there'd be no games this year. And it is fantastic now that we not only will have some games, but it looks as if we're going to have the opportunity to have a fairly meaningful programme of games. And that's an absolutely huge bonus at this stage. I suppose for the Cork County Board, you released the master kind of schedule of fixtures for the championship ahead. And um, really interesting reading this week. First off, I want to talk about, you've, uh, you've kept the group stage format. Was that really important, Tracy, to keep that group stage format that was kind of agreed by the clubs last, last year? It was if we could. You know, that, and that was what was informing our thinking, can we do it? If the window had been shorter, a smaller window, it might have been something that wasn't possible. But when it looked as if we were going to have a significant amount of time we certainly wanted to try and retain it if we could. There was a huge amount of work went in to coming up with that format in terms of all the consultation we did with clubs. And there were a number of principles came through all that work we did and all those conversations we had over the last couple of years around the championships. People wanted smaller competitions that were more competitive, so a lower number of teams. People really wanted the group format. It was something we you know, that, that was a huge message we got that people wanted to try out this group format. People wanted promotion and relegation restored to our championships. So it was important to us to be able to come up with a format that would retain those principles if we could. 
and given the window we feel that we can it's, it's not going to be easy obviously there are a lot of challenges but it was important to do that if we could and I think we can so we're hoping that it'll all work out. Logistically I can't imagine what you've gone through over the last couple of weeks because compared to any other county in the country Cork is such a unique kind of um, I suppose being such a strong dual county with the football and the hurling how many sleepless nights or how many hours and hours and hours went into putting this schedule together because it's so kind of like I think there's kind of 16 adults kind of um, county finals there's a 30 divisional club finals kind of at some point there's so much GA in this county so to put together this schedule I presume it took an awful lot of work and time well, I can't take credit for that now, to be fair. I think Kevin O'Donovan, our, our county secretary, would have had the most sleepless nights about it. And certainly he was well supported by Mark Sheehan, our vice chair and chair of the CCC as well. But I think we had many conversations over many weeks as to what we might do. We were reluctant to spend too much time on um, scenarios that might not emerge at all. So earlier on in the, the process, we said, look, we're not going to discuss the ifs and the buts and the mites and the maybes because we just don't know. So our our final deliberations, if you like, have been condensed into a short space of time because we were waiting for a number of things. First of all, we needed to know when Crow Park were going to allow competitions to return. When we got that, that gave us a little bit of hope. But before we could finalise our programme, we had to wait for the dates on which Cork were going to be playing um, their championship games. And as you know, those only came um, in the, the past week or so. So once we got those dates, then it was, uh, we had a fairly intense programme of meetings and discussions and so on um, over the last few days, and particularly over the weekend, to come up with what we have come up with now. And I would like to acknowledge the work of everybody involved in that, and the executive as well, who had to meet a short notice on Sunday night, all online, of course, to uh, to approve that championship programme. So yeah, it has been busy and intense, but no busier and more intense than the next few weeks are going to be. And I think my sleepless nights won't end until all the county finals are played. Um, given what's unfolded this year, kind of obviously with the COVID-19 bringing everything to a halt, it's kind of, it's more by accident rather than design that kind of clubs and counties have kind of landed with the present formats. But I was talking to one club manager yesterday and he was delighted when he got, when, the, when that email dropped yesterday, when they saw their fixtures and he said, this is what a championship should be. He goes, we can plan now our three games, fellas know that there's a weekend off in the middle if they want to get away that weekend. And have we stumbled on something here, Tracy, where there's such a, a kind of a defined season for the club championships? Could we take learnings off this going into next year and the year after? Well, I suppose when I was talking about the principles underpinning our championship earlier, I forgot really that the probably the main one that clubs wanted was certainty around when they'd be playing. And that's where the group format was born out of, if you like, was to give that certainty because at least, while you can't be 100% certain in relation to the knockout stages because you just don't know if you're going to be there or not, at least you knew the dates of your group games. And that was something we wanted anyway. So we have that now, only it's it's just a more condensed time frame but certainly it's an interesting opportunity this year to to have a really defined club window and a really defined inter-county window and it will be interesting to see how that plays out it's like everything to do with COVID-19 there are going to be things we can learn from whether that's in our work lives our home lives our GA lives whatever that is we will take or we should take the things that work well and see if we can apply them in a more normal situation but there's a lot to be said for this type of of um window i suppose divine defined window i think you're right there i think it could spark a conversation tracy where for clubs might have their defined kind of couple of months of the year and intercounty might have their defined couple of months of the year it's probably a bit kind of idealistic at this stage to think that, that will happen next year or the year after but it's something we should really look at it has downsides as well and I suppose it would have to be very carefully managed in that this year 
it's all crammed into the second half of the year mm. uh, because of the COVID situation. But if you were running that over a normal year, that still leaves half a year where a club player has no games. You know, if, if you take your defined windows like that. And I'm not sure that's exactly what we want either. It, it wouldn't be the worst case scenario where you have a, a group set up and you have your at least players guaranteed three games. But in some of our competitions, maybe at divisional level and some of our other competitions that don't have that, you might be talking about somebody maybe having two games early in the year and no more club GA for the rest of the year so it's it's not going to solve all our problems and we would have to think about what would we do with the club player where there is no inter-county involvement during that inter-county window if it was going to occupy a separate part of the year so it's not simple but there's definitely learnings we can take from it and as you say I think having the conversation is really important. But you're putting together, I suppose, this, this fixture schedule. And um, was it fair? Were you kind of cognizant of the fact that the intercounty is kicking off in, in October? So you're leaving kind of enough time for Rona McCarthy and Kieran Kingston to prepare the intercounty teams for the, for the Munster Championships? Yeah, and it's, it's the same balance we face every year. You know, the same effort to find a balance that we face every year is trying to be fair to our intercounty teams while at the same time, you know, allowing our clubs to have pretty much unfettered access to their inter-county players during the, the club time frame. So that's not going to be easy and it's not helpful when you see in some other counties much longer runs into the championship maybe than we have. In, and counties can do that where they have one code much stronger than the other. I think there are very few counties in Ireland that really try to treat both codes equally as we do here. I know that might not always seem that, it might seem that way to everybody, but we do try to treat both codes equally. And that means that it would be impossible for us to finish our championship any earlier than we're doing. And even if we were to run a different type of championship, it would be difficult to finish it in that time window, to finish any earlier than we're doing. So we have taken lots of people's views on, on board in our planning and we have tried to be as fair to everybody as we can be. It's not a solution that's going to please everybody. You can be sure that I'm sure there are people in dual clubs who have worries about the intensity of the schedule, even though we've tried to mitigate that a little bit by building in a free weekend. But it's still a concern. I'm sure our intercounty managers would like to have more um, time if they could. But we have tried to strike a balance as best we can. Is there any clarity yet, Tracy, on, let's say, attendances at games? We know it's going to go from 200 to 500 at some point. And I'm just thinking when you have the West Cork Derby between Carby Rangers and Castlehaven in a couple of weeks, and you'll have every man, dog and, and, and woman in, in West Cork wanting to get to that game. How is that going to work out? How will numbers be divvied up? Or what's the, what's yeah, the state of that? It's, it's a worry for us, and it is the reason, or one of the reasons why we didn't avail of the weekend of the 17th because that is available but when we looked at it number one dressing rooms are not allowed to be opened until the Monday after that so that would make it very difficult for players and particularly in a county like ours where a neutral venue could still be 60 miles from the two clubs involved you know it's not realistic to say get tagged somewhere else and come you know wouldn't be fair to anybody and the other is the 200 uh, crowd limit which applies up until the 19th of July I think because like you say, some of those first round games are really attractive. And how can you ask somebody standing at a gate in a rural venue to say, sorry, lads, you know, because if you go with the 200, for example, should the players and officials and club personnel would take up half of that anyway. 
And how could you expect somebody down at the gate for that game in West Cork to say, sorry, lads, there's 100 people in now, good luck. It would be unmanageable, you know, although I suppose I hadn't thought there was, there was probably a potential there for selling tickets at very high prices. <laughs> but I suppose we don't want to go down that route either. Um, I'm joking in case anyone thinks I'm serious about that. But we, even with the 500, yeah, like we're going to have to, and we haven't given that the level of thought that it'll need just yet because I suppose we're hoping that you know we've seen the phases change so far in the government's plan and I suppose we're hoping that those limits will increase but if they don't we'll just have to deal with them we have said we're not going to have double headers while that limit is there because that would be very unfair you know I might be coming for the second game I might be able to make the first game and I might be able to get in because the whole 500 are used up with the first game so we're not going to have double headers so at least that will help but it's certainly going to be an issue and we may have to look at pre-sales of tickets we may have to look at different mechanisms we may have to look at allocating tickets to the participating clubs there's all those things that we may have to look at over the next couple of weeks if that 500 limit doesn't increase now I'd love to say it would be an issue at all our games I know it won't be there'll be a number of our games where the crowd will be less and we have to I suppose understand and accept that there will be people who might love to go to the game but because of their own health concerns or health concerns of family members won't travel so I'm not sure yet how big of an issue it will be but there certainly will be games where more than 500 people would want to go. Is there any update on, on the streaming of games? I know you were looking into that at one point because that could be a way of I suppose of providing the games and showing the games to people who can't get physically to the game. Yeah, and we are hoping to have some model in place. We're looking at a number of different alternatives now. Obviously, it's not going to be every game. That, that would be unrealistic. But that some of the games, at least, would be available um, for people to watch online. We're looking at a number of different models there. I, we're, we're close to confirming something, but I don't really want to go into details at this stage because there are still decisions to be made. But we would hope that there would be something. And, of course, we mustn't forget that our local media do a fantastic job in covering these games you know on the radio and 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 twitter and so on we've lots of different ways of of finding out what's happening at games that wouldn't have been there if we were in this situation 10 or 15 years ago so we we have a lot of services that will provide access to games for people but obviously it won't be possible for every game to be covered in that way like you said a couple of months ago i don't think we envisaged we'd be in this position where we're looking forward to this big lot of games and it's Fantastic that we are. And um, Tracy, thank you so much for coming on. And I hope you enjoy the next couple of weeks and once you won't have too many sleepless nights. Thanks for that, Kieran. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast, number one for sport in West Cork. Last Thursday, after 30 years of hurt, Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool were crowned Premier League champions following Manchester City's defeat to Chelsea in what would go down as one of the greatest seasons. In Premier League history, the Reds are back on the famous perch. In a few minutes, we're going to talk to local Liverpool fan Donald O'Sullivan, who also works as a sports reporter. He's a season ticket holder at Anfield, so he'll be in a good position to tell us what it means for Liverpool fans. But Kieran, I'm sure you, even you could have appreciated how good Liverpool were this season. They're 23 points clear. They're possibly the greatest Premier League team in history uh, so I suppose what I want you to do now is just compliment the manager compliment the players compliment the club and most importantly compliment the supporters the, the Liverpool supporters based in West Cork 
Are you on some sort of date, Jack? Did you misfit as many adjectives as you can in, into this intro? Kind of uh, get the greatest Premier League team of all time. I, I don't buy into that. Not yet. Kind of when you run away with the league by twenty-three points and win it with seven games to go. I think it says more about the quality of the league rather than anything else. But I will admit that Liverpool are the best team this year. They are the best team by a distance, and they are really, really worthy winners. Um, exceptional team, and I think what's kind of scary from other clubs' point of view is that Liverpool have won this title without necessarily playing as well as they did last season, and they still they've only dropped as it kind of how many points? One defeat and two draws. Um, they could easily break the hundred point barrier without hitting top form. So that's an incredible achievement. Um, they're very, very worthy winners. Um, I don't buy into the hype that they are the greatest Premier League team of all time. I'd still go back to... Okay, let me guess, let me guess. Um, which team do you think is the greatest of the Premier League year? Let me let me think. Was it the final year of the previous millennium by any chance? That was a pretty special team. If you go back to the you go back to the, to the United team, I suppose, the 1989 season, that was exceptional. And then... The, the team around 06-07-08 with Rooney, Tevez, Ronaldo. That was an exceptional team. But even Chelsea under Mourinho in the first season and that Arsenal Invincibles team are exceptional teams. And that Liverpool team is in the conversation, but I think Liverpool need to do it now over an extended period of time because um, I, heard, I heard a great saying there on, on, on the radio. Um, I'm actually going to, going to mess it up. It was like kind of kind of hungry dog kind of run as fast the next time you know kind of like Liverpool have won the league now can they can they will they be as hungry next season to go again maybe they will be um, just to pull you up on that point as if like uh, this isn't the first trophy they've won under Jurgen Klopp like they won the Champions League last season they were in the Champions League final the season before and the Europa League final the season before that they finished second in last season's Premier League it's not like they've just come out of the blue nick the league title and they're going to see can they sustain like a Leicester City like they have been building towards this it's not like this was a complete shock to the system like oh my god they would have won they'll fall away now like they did prove that they could win at the the most elite level last season when they won the Champions League and were unlucky not to win the Champions League the season previous so if they don't go on to win the Premier League next season I don't necessarily think they didn't achieve enough as a team it'll be Oh, no, maybe this no, is their peak maybe they've hit their peak who knows I'm not saying they won't but yeah. I'm just saying I don't I don't go along with that uh, I just think analysis. there's such an emotional attachment to Liverpool winning the league kind of if you ask the Liverpool fan over the years do you want to win the league or the Champions League I think most of the gone for the league because there's that kind of like, that, like I said that emotional attachment the wait the long long wait was going on so now that we've seen Liverpool in that 30 years of heartbreak after the couple of near, near misses and so on I'm just wondering kind of when you're chasing that title for so long and that huge goal of no league for 30 years, can you repeat it again the next year? Kind of that emotional investment, is it the same? Possibly could be. I think the Champions League is a bit different. Um, but that's not the takeaway. Like I said, this Liverpool team is awesome. Absolutely incredible team. Um, Van Dijk is just an incredible defender. Like he's, he's right up there with the best defenders the Premier League has ever seen. You know, he could go on to be the Premier League's best ever defender. Like I'm thinking of the... I suppose you're thinking of the John Terry's, the Ferdinand's. Like, Vidic for me was exceptional, kind of. Um, but Van Dijk is a transformative defender. And kind of, Firmino is something else. Like, and I said, I, I look at Liverpool midfield, Jack. I know you're a Liverpool fan, like, and I'm looking at midfield. And, like, it's not kind of the, the big names and so on, but it's such an effective and functional midfield. And it just, it's just such a fluid, good team. And, like, um, 
the best team always wins the league and kind of the best team has won the league this year. Yeah, and it's interesting what you say about that release emotion after 30 years. And as you rightly say, I am a, a Liverpool fan. Maybe not to the same extent as our guest owner who's coming up in a few minutes is in terms of he's an actual card-holding season ticket holder. So he goes to the games. But I do, I do follow them and I have followed them for my entire life essentially but I have to say this emotional release that I was expecting I have I it opened to me I was like underwhelmed initially when I heard the news and I put that down to the coronavirus so I almost felt sorry for the real hardcore fans and the players and the staff that they didn't get the chance after 30 years to just lift the lid on all that pent-up emotion to me initially now it felt like a bit of a damn squib which I told one of my friends who's a big Liverpool fan but he had been having a few bottles he was singing songs down the phone he was sending me clips of um, various parties that were going on around Liverpool and after a few hours I cracked open a few bottles myself and I started to see the the light again but I have to say for that initial moment I was slightly underwhelmed and I felt bad about it as well I was like this I should feel so much better <laughs> like that's why you say the difference between the Champions League and the league like the Champions League even though it was a bit of a damn squib last year it was a full house at the Bernabeu the atmosphere before and after the game not that I was there but you know you see it on television yeah. was absolutely rocking and it's a one-off game so the COVID-19 does there have an asterisk beside it I don't necessarily think so but I think that could add to the hunger next year they'll want to win a league title in front of their own and I'm sure they'll get a chance to have a parade but it's a, it is a strange one it is because yeah, like kind of you're talking about sport with no offence and like we've been watching the Premier League the last couple of weeks and all you've the the pumped in kind of sound like but it's it's not the same and I actually do feel sorry for for Klopp and the Liverpool players and but mostly the Liverpool fans because I'm just thinking of the scenes in Liverpool last year when the Champions League came home like those images were dramatic you know the red flares the mist and hundreds of thousands of fans packing the streets and could you have imagined the party if if and when kind of Liverpool lifted the league at Anfield, lifted up the, the Premier League trophy in Anfield, the kind of the outpouring of emotion in Anfield that day would have been off the scale incredible. And I think the party probably wouldn't have stopped for a week. And it is a shame that Liverpool have missed out on that. And I don't think it should take away from what they've achieved. And I know there's a bit of banter online about or oh, the Asterix Premier League kind of the COVID-19 Premier League but that's not true kind of um, no I don't think from a sport from a, from actual sporting achievement there's zero asterisks I'm just saying from it was wrapped up it yeah, was wrapped up from a purely ago. emotional standpoint like uh, I I was hoping to see that emotional release that you speak about because we saw the scenes at the illegal Liverpool title celebration that was condemned where they were throwing fireworks at the Liver building in the city centre but so you could you could only imagine what the scenes would have been like had it been like a, a full parade back to Anfield where the fans are having a huge party and the whole city, even Everton fans would have been out. But look, this, this is the world we live in. So um, I'm going to start, I'm going to stop even dampening the mood because I'm absolutely thrilled that Liverpool did eventually win the league for the first time in my lifetime. Just a little nod there to the fact that I'm not yet 30. So we're going to throw now to Donald Sullivan, who is a huge Liverpool fan and I'm sure... He was as delighted as any on Thursday evening. Um, joining us now is a Liverpool fanatic from, from the Manway, Donald O'Sullivan. We've had you on the podcast before, Donald, to talk Liverpool. And obviously Liverpool are back in the headlines now, champions of England for the first time in 30 years. Um, what does that sound like, Liverpool are champions of England again? Um, I suppose like, it's something that you've been um, 
as a Liverpool fan, it's it's always been kind of described as the holy grail. Like it's it's great to finally get over the line. Um, obviously there's been um there's been a lot made of the close calls like last year to, to go so close. Um, no by a point, and obviously thirteen fourteen when um the big the, the famous Stevie G slip and, and and that and stuff. So um, I suppose it, it, it's just great to know um it's, it's a long time coming. Um, I think they've deserved it. You know, I know I'm I'm probably a small bit biased, but um. They've been, they've been super over the last 18, 24 months. So to, to finally get over the line, it's just um, it's just great, you know, to, to get a few, kind of maybe get the monkey off the back now, hopefully. Where we went for the night when, when City dropped point and said at Chelsea and it, it became official and the, and the party started? I was, um, I suppose you mentioned there, we, we spoke before, Kieran, did the Champions League final. We'd done a small piece um, and, and I was away, I had a waiting that night. And I suppose towards the night, I was away with work, to be honest. I was, um, so I was, I was socially distancing on my own to be honest watching it. Um so it was it was a bit surreal and a bit strange. Like it was um like we we there's a gang of us as you know around West Cork here and we 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 go to a few games every now and again. So we we planned to be at a few of them but um for for it to happen so kinda of out at work and, and watch it on your own it was it was a bit different to what we expected, but at the same time, you know, we, we, as I said, um speaking to you previous the, with the way it panned out, uh, with the pandemic coming and stuff, like no one ever knew. Whether it was going to get started again, whether it was going to be cancelled, null invited, so there was a lot of um, there was a lot of rumours. So I suppose just to get over the line was the, was the big thing. I suppose like you mentioned there about there's a group of West Cork that hit across to Enfield and go even travelled to a fair few of, of the away games. Like West Cork has a strong connection with Liverpool. We think Quiven Keller obviously with his his kind of Donny roots. Um, you think of the Liverpool team coming back coming here was it ten eleven years ago to take on to Manway Town and even Liverpool legends like. I suppose um, Ray Houghton and Ronnie Whelan are regulars on, on, on the circuit in West Cork. So there is a, a strong connection and a strong fan, Liverpool fan base here in West Cork. It, it, it's huge, Kieran. I suppose like I, there's, there's probably four or five of us there in the men. You know, we'd, we'd, we'd be regular over and back to Enfield and, and to, kind of to the Champions League games and the away games and stuff. But it's only when you start meeting people and talking about it and, and fellas realise you've tickets, right? they, they come looking. There's, there, there's a big supporters club kind of in Clan there. You know, um, I know West Long. There, there's a big gathering, I suppose, that, um, they, they, as you said, they came to Drina uh, a few years back. And I, I don't know. It's, um, it, it is. There, there, there's, a, there's, a huge, there's a huge fan base there. But I suppose it's probably easy to, to have a fan base now as well when things are going good. Like, you know yourself with when United were flying... Um, uh, maybe seven or eight years ago, it was um there was a lot of them around, but it, it it's 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 great, you know. Like there's we we've made a good few friends from all over, and it's um it, there's a bit of banter through it all as well. Kind of watching this as a Man United fan, you know, kind of I, I don't know. I think Liverpool played better football last season when they finished second compared to this season when they're running away with it. And for a United fan and from a football fan in general, that's almost a scary thought that there is kind of more gears for this Liverpool team to go up. Um, do you think there's more to come from this group? Um, I, I agree with you 100%. Like, you know, last season, they, they played frightening football. You know, they, they were phenomenal on the break. You know, they had the pace. Um, they, they weren't conceding goals. You know, like, if, if they scored first, they weren't being beaten. Not they, they, this season, um, I think from Christmas on, they were, like, I know there's only a few games, but even coming up to Christmas there, they were poor. You know, they were, they were just about, they were stumbling over the line. I, I think a big thing this season was, was, was the fall off in City. You know, a lot, have been, a lot has been made about the way Liverpool have, have played, but um, City City fell off a bit. You know, um, they never replaced company. Uh, Laporte got injured in as well, so they didn't they didn't shore up their defence. And, and once they started conceding, like they're always liable to score, but they, they were conceding this season where they weren't last season, and, and they dropped points which they wouldn't have last season. And that was the defining factor this season. I think you know, they, like 
25 points clear. There's not that much of a gap. Like even since the, the games have restarted the last two or three games, you look at City, they're, they're absolutely unbelievable to watch on the ball. They're, they're frightening and, and there isn't that much of a gap. Um, going back to Liverpool, like there is a lot more to come. Again, like, as I said last season, they were, um, they were breaking at pace and, and they were, the front three were frightening. They didn't click at all this season, to be honest. Um, they've been getting goals from midfield and, and as I said, stumbling over the line in a few games. That, uh, I think that Villa game back in December when they were, they were 1-0 down with four or five minutes to go at Villa Park and they, I thought they'd snatched the draw with Robertson's header and then man, they got a header and they won a 2-1. That was a big, that was a big turning point for me because they, they played City the following week into Anfield and beat them 3-1 and, and instead of it being a point ahead going into that City game, they ended up being, I think it was seven or eight points clear and I think I think that was that was probably the league done and dusted in. Even though um, I wasn't saying it at the time, it, it, that was a big um, that was a big statement. I think the consistency of Liverpool this season has been frightening. I think he just dropped is it two draws and one defeat or something like that. It's an incredible points tally, and to win the league with seven games to go is an incredible feat as well. And looking towards the summer, if if Jurgen Klopp is to strengthen this Liverpool team, is it almost a challenge for him now because you've such a good team there? So whoever you bring in, is it backup players because? you have to bring in world-class players to replace who's at the start of the level. So that's almost a challenge for Klopp now, kind of how to integrate new squad players or new players into this squad. Huge. And I suppose, you know, that, that team of Werner deal, that, that was almost a done deal. They said mm-hmm. in, in the paper and stuff, it was practically over the line and, and whatever for whatever reason, he's ended up at Chelsea. So it's, it's going to be hard to, to get players to, to, to slot into that starting eleven anyway. And, you know, if you're signing players, are they going to be happy to be, to be kind of on the bench and back up? You look at City, you know, their binge the other night, I think it was about 100, 180 million they had on the binge. So, obviously, you, you, you can keep good players on the binge and keep them happy because they, Pep seems to be able to do it. But um, it's it's a massive challenge for, for Klopp. No, I'm not sure with the with the owners and the, are they going to give them the money, especially with the pandemic and, and the way that the markets are gone. Are they going to give them the money, one, and, and two, who, as you say, are players available and who do you bring in? But um, they definitely need to strengthen. So I still think they're, as, as stupid as it might sound, I still think they're lacking up front. Um, they, they're not clinical in, in front of goals. You know, they, they're, they're consistent, but they're not, they're not clinical. So I still think they need, they need one or two up top, especially if, if the likes of Mane was to get injured, or obviously Firmino or Salah, if one of them was to be out for a spell. Um, they're just not the same units with one of them three not playing. So I suppose they, they definitely need backup there, but whether, whether they can get it or not is another thing. I think you're right, Donald. We're coming into a strange time. Kind of this, the next transfer window even talks there. I've seen Sky Sports that United aren't willing to go above 50 million for Sancho, who's supposed to be 100 million. We heard all the talk all along. So it's going to be kind of interesting to see what clubs will outlay on players, whether their spending will be, um, will be diminished because of the coronavirus. But with Clap at the helm, like what that man has done for the club is unbelievable. Like, kind of, of all the signings in the last seven home years, getting Clap as manager, you can trace everything back to that because even as United fan, just to watch on what he's done and uh, the unity he has within the team and how the, I suppose every player would put everything on the line for for, for Klopp. Like, he's an exceptional coach. It, it, it's unbelievable, you know. Like you, you hit the nail on the head there, Kieran. That like there's such a tight unit and. You you hear all the interviews of the ex players, the ex Liverpool legends there during the week and, and looking in from the outside there, they'd give their right arm to be to be part and parcel of it again and, and to be to be playing under Klopp. And as you say, like when you look at the squad when he came in, um at the start, you know, it was, it was, it was it's like chalk and cheese now and, and he's made signings and he's been under a bit of pressure obviously. He lost he lost a couple of finals, you know, he, he lost the Europa League final and then in a, a League Cup and obviously the Champions League final again and there was always the pressure 
on him to to produce. Like in I suppose the Champions League to to win it last year was huge, but obviously the Premier League was was the one that the fans wanted definitely, and and then the club, and um, that was the pressure to, to get over the line there. And he's just um, he's built an, an absolutely frightening squad of players. You know, like they they wouldn't be superstars by no matter of means, but as a group they just they just seem to click and they just seem to have that um I I don't know unbelievable um just never said die attitude and, and it comes from him like you you see him he's he's infectious like even even in press conferences you know he, there's no there's no crap with him like he he, he doesn't sugarcoat things he, he says it as he sees it like and he's um he, he just he suits the club he was he, he was made for that club like you know it sounds it sounds stupid but I, like he, to get him in was as you said was was the best signing that they've made in 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 a, in a long number of years. What's the plan? So are your celebrations going to kick off this week now? Will you be doing kind of laps of, of Dunman way with the, <laughs> the window down and bunting flying out? No, I, I probably won't because there's, there's a few there's a few friends there that are United fans. So I, I suppose I, I'll, I'll save them. I'll save them that. Like so the, the wheel is always turning, so um, it, it'll come back around again at some stage. But no, there's um there's a gang of us there that that kind of go, as I say regularly. So we're we're meeting up there again, maybe um Thursday or Friday night. So we'll just have a we'll might have an old chat. Cause, Tis, tis, um, as I said, it's strange because we had we had three of the last kind of four home games booked and, and one or two of the ways as well. Just just something we do every year and year. But this year was especially for come the turn of Christmas, like it, it looked more and more likely. So for um for it to happen, as you say, like either at work or not at it, it's 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 a bit strange. But at the same time, um, I I didn't care to be honest. I just wanted to to get over the line, like as as you know yourself, like it, it could have dragged down to the city game, go down there and beat them and 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 lift it. But um or and lose it, and then it'll go another game. So you just don't know, and especially with the, with with twenty twenty and the pandemic, like it, the big thing for me was just just get it get it done and get it closed out. Like and there's um there's people who have to kind of delete those asterisks after after stuff now. So um you can't say they don't deserve it. I, don't, I think you know, they've been they've been brilliant as I said last eighteen twenty four months, and you, know, you can't you can't begrudge them it either. I think you're right. Kind of the best team has won the league. The best team always wins the league. So. Thanks for joining us, Donald, and enjoy the celebrations on this weekend. They've been um, well earned. Thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast, number one for sport in West Cork. Welcome back to the Star Sport Podcast. And before we wrap up today's programme, we're going to have a quick look at what's to come in this week's Southern Star Sports section. So, Kieran, take it away. Yeah, we're um busy sports section now, kind of with the GA season kind of closing in the start date in a couple of weeks. Um it's starting to get a bit busier in the Southern Star Sports as well, which is good news for our readers. So a busy sixteen pages bringing its way to West Cork and beyond on Thursday morning. Um some great bits in there. I cut up with, with a local physio, Sinead O'Regan from Rascarbury, just to kind of chat about um that the club players at the moment with the GACs and looming, they're going from training in isolation to already kind of three training training sessions a week with the championship only a couple of weeks away. So there's been a talk about a spike in injuries, which is expected. So I talked to Sinead about that and she's sharing her top tips for club players how to avoid an injury because it almost seems inevitable, Jack, that um injuries are going to hit kind of club players as they're trying to get up to the pitch of championship. So that's very good stuff by Sinead O'Regan, who was also opening her new business in Ahamilla in, in kind of Kilty in, in the next week or so. So check out Thursday, Southern Star, for more on that. And best of luck to Sinead. Um, also, Paddy Feen is a, obviously a very well-known photographer. He's been taking steps for us for how many years well before I joined the Star. And in this week's sport, we have a two-page special on some of Paddy's kind of favourite snaps over the last couple of years. 
and there are some brilliant images in there kind of capturing some of the, the great moments of West Cork sport over the last decade. So that's well worth checking out. We went into with John Buckley. He's the Honorary Secretary of the West Cork League. Just about um, the league is kicking off in July. So he's, he goes through the different permutations, what's happening and so on. So that for all soccer fans, I check, check that out. Yeah, could you just say, if you happen to be talking to John in the meantime, could you maybe get him to ensure that Baltimore's Championship Cup game on the weekend of the 26th or 25th falls after whenever Island Rovers play, just so we have every chance of qualifying for a cup final this season. Thanks, Kieran. I, I put in a word for you, Jack, kind of seen as, as Baltimore, you're, you want one of those kind of three promotion spots up from the from the championship to the to the Premier Division. So you're not out, I don't think you're out of the running there yet, are you? No, we're, we, 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 need a, we need a couple of favours from our friends down the Mizzen and up in Bandon with Spartak Moscow. We need both of them to beat Skibbereen. But also we're still in contention in the Championship League Cup type competition. So uh, all to play for, all to play for. Oh, good stuff. Um, back to this week's star. I have an interview with Corsi Rovers goalkeeper Sinead O'Reilly, who's also a, burst, also a nurse sorry, at Bandon Community Hospital. So it's just an interesting take. Um, Sinead has been on the front line during this COVID-19 pandemic working at Bandon Community Hospital. And she's in the back line for the Corsi's team, who's now preparing for the for the county championship which throws in later this month so it's great to get Sinead's perspective on the GA and everything that's gone on and keeping with the Corsi Rovers team um, Christine O'Neill takes part in this week's West Cork Minute so some great answers by Christine there as well as that um, almost forgotten in all this at the moment Jack with the GAC season coming back is what about the refs what about the referees because if you think about it football hurling ladies football camogie underage games where a huge amount of matches are going to happen over a short period of time. And there's a small pool of referees as it is. So Dennis Hurley has been talking to Amy Sheehy, who is a referee and he's on the, the referees board in Carberry, just about the challenges that face referees over the next next couple of weeks. So that's well worth to read. And Dennis Hurley's column this week is quite good as well. He's looking at how the, the worlds of sport and politics are so intertwined in, in Ireland. And I and that comes back to obviously the new Taoiseach Michal Martin his son Michal A. Martin is the Cork senior football goalkeeper and the Nemo Rangers goalkeeper so good stuff as usual by Dennis and there's a lot more as well in this week's Southern Star Jack it's a really packed sports section as we're as we're moving back towards um, I suppose a touch of normality when it comes to sport because we're getting live sport back in this month alone we've had the GA season up and running and we'll get we get soccer back. The bowling, road bowling is really picking up. The National Road Championships have been scheduled in for September. So bit by bit, everything is starting to come back. So it's good news for sports fans out there. And if they want to keep up to date with what's happening in West Cork, pick up Thursday's Southern Star. Thank you. Have I missed something or has rugby just been written off for the year? Was that announced or is there any rugby coming back or have, have, has it just gone completely over my head? With the with kind of if you're looking at the top level, the Munster the Munster team are back training last week, and there's kind of there's a kind of an interpros in August, kind of Munster Ulster kind of then and Leinster I think it's in the Aviva. Regards to junior leagues, they were called, they were stopped a couple of months back. They were kind of cancelled as such. And at the moment, what they're doing, there's a um, they're looking to change the format of of the Munster junior leagues. It hasn't been confirmed yet, um, but from the start of the new season. There could be a new format for the Munster Junior League. And what's been proposed is that 
let's say Division One, for example, it'll be increased from fourteen teams to sixteen teams. But what they'll do then, they'll divide those two sixteen teams into two groups of eight on a regional basis. So for the Skibbereen, Clan, and Bandon, they'd be in one group of the Munster Junior League, and they wouldn't have to travel as far because most of the teams would be from Cork. Um, it would cut out a lot of the travel, um, kind of. And then there's kind of the top four teams from the groups go on to kind of compete for the championship. The, the bottom four teams go into relegation kind of fight. But um, that hasn't been confirmed yet, but it's been mooted. But rugby will be back, um, not as soon as soccer and GA, but you're probably looking at probably September before the Munster Junior Leagues kind of kick back into action. But they did, Jack, they did cancel the Junior Leagues, I think back in April or so, they just said, no, we're stopping it, here it is. There was no relegation, there was no promotion. They just stopped it where it is and they not avoided the season. Good stuff. And that's why he's the sports editor. He just has that knowledge knocking around in there off the top of his head. He didn't even need a prompt about that question before we started recording. And as Kieran mentioned, the Southern Star is in shops on Thursday across West Cork. And if you can't make it to the shops, you can also purchase a subscription online just go to www.southernstar.ie forward slash e-paper and you can read the southern star on your computer tablet or smartphone for less than two euro per week thanks for listening to the star sport podcast we'll be back at the same time next week if you enjoy these shows please make sure to rate review and subscribe on itunes spotify youtube google podcasts acast stitcher or wherever else you listen to the show